This is episode 107 of Come On You Reds. Happy to have you aboard once again as we talk everything Toronto FC. Gareth Wheeler alongside former Toronto FC, Canadian international, and now TFC Academy coach in Mr. Terry Dunfield. You can get at us anytime at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. The international bye week. It's done. It's dusted. It's over. Terry, I don't know about you. It seems like it's lasted an eternity. From the time when TFC was on the field winning the Supporter Shield, doesn't that seem like a month ago? It really does. And to be fair, you went massive time on us all and just left in New York for five or six days. Big, big time. Big cheese. I was trying to take advantage of some downtime before the playoff run. We're going to be busy covering this team. We're going to be up at training every day. This was my only escape, my only getaway. And I'll tell you what, going to New York City for five days when you don't have to work, you don't really have any commitments... It's beautiful. Have you spent much time there? Only playing, and it was never really great because those were the Thierry Henry days. Uh, right. So we were in, and then we wanted to get out pretty quick afterwards. And you're also m- more in Harrison, New Jersey. Though it was like, the, on the circuit, the by far the nicest hotel. You're staying right on the river, W Hotel in Hoboken. Hoboken. Yeah. It was... Uh, the hotel was beautiful, but... But we you're still not in Manhattan, But right? you're always in the frame of mind the fact that you're playing. And, and you've got a game in a couple of days, and as soon as the game's over, you're on your way out. I know it's just an hour flight, but the thing is, Terry, like, it was like plus 30 degrees the whole time. It was like summer. Nice. Over Canadian Thanksgiving. And the, the thing that was really cool, I know that there was a lot of international football over the break. On the t- Tuesday night when the U.S. men's national team played and the South American qualifying was playing out... You walk down the streets, and there were jerseys from not only the U.S., but Chile, Colombia, Argentina, Peru, as far as the eye could see. It was, it, it was something else. I actually went to the hockey game. It was my first time at Madison Square Garden, which is an amazing place to watch a game. But you came out onto the street, and there was just kits as far as the eye could see. I thought it was pretty cool. It just shows you that New York is such a good soccer really, city. Really, as Vancouver were there as well. They were playing the New York Red Bulls. So on the weekend? Yeah, so much football going on in New York. Lots of football going on here as well. We had the GA Cup, U15s, U17s. U17s went undefeated, won all three games. And nice. Dramatic form as well. The last game came down from 2-0, scored three unanswered goals in the second half, including an absolute cracker from a boy by the name of Ralph Prizzo to win 3-2 in the last minute of stoppage time. My team, a little bit unlucky, uh, dominated Columbus in the first game, just couldn't score, lost there. And then we were a little bit leggy and a little bit hungover from the first game against Colorado. Uh, Went down 2-0 again, came back to 2-2 and then lost at the death. But we got our stuff together in the last game against the Chicago Fire. Beat them 3-0. Good learning experience for all the academy kids here yeah, at the but, Kia but Trading Group. Credit to the, the ops girls that, that put this event on behind the scenes. And, and it was uh, Tim Bezbachenko sent an email out uh, to all the staff here saying a big well done. And, and he's had awesome feedback from the league. Shout out to Matt to Nicole Antonio as I spit that name out. I love Matty D. It's Matty D, but I feel like there's a lot of Matty D's in the city. And Armando, like the entire crew that put together the broadcast as well. It's big time for the kids, yeah, right? They, and all the games are streamed. It, it really was. And, and it's kind of, you really learn a lot about not only yourself as a coach, but your players and who, who can step up against MLS opposition. Don't get me wrong. This is what we should be doing every week. And it's a big difference. No disrespect to playing teams in our local league here in Ontario, but we need to be playing more MLS competition. We'll we'll get into some of that conversation because now it seems like there's a referendum on North American football now. And and that's what we'll lead off. We're going to look ahead to this Sunday's game against the Montreal Impact, the final regular season home match at BMO Field. We'll spin you around MLS as the Eastern Conference playoff picture is now complete. But we're recording this podcast Friday afternoon just got back from New York. There was plenty of football to talk about, but the lead story and and just watching the American broadcast, you understood that this was a big deal in the U.S., in the mainstream sports cycle, which isn't always the case with the U.S. men's national team, but they failed to qualify for the World Cup, and people have now officially lost their minds since, Terry. Uh, Bruce Arena, it's a no-brainer. He stepped down as U.S. men's national team head coach today. (laughs) 
The thing is, amongst all the screaming, yelling, ranting, we've been there in this country for quite some time. How do you unlock what you need to do to make sure that you're a World Cup qualifier? You can qualify for the World Cup um, not just once, but on a regular basis. The U.S. men's national team, it was almost like it was taken for granted that they had some divine right to qualify for Russia 2018. There was work to be done, and there was missteps along the way. But I'm just not sure if the appropriate place for the conversation to be had is having this referendum about the setup here in North America. Because from the time that you were growing up playing, I was growing up playing, to where things are now, it's night and day different. There is so much more opportunity. And for me, this was a breakdown of this American national team and not something that you can point the finger at the entire system. Because that team is good enough and has players that are good enough to qualify for the World Cup. I agree. I, I definitely think there's enough quality out on that pitch. I, I think Bruce Arena coming in mid uh, the hex was, was almost like a Band-Aid thing for me. I, I, I don't know if he was the answer for the next 10 years. I think now that the U.S. are out, they need to really regroup a little bit like what Germany did in the early 2000s when they missed a major championship. They looked at everything. And, and uh, I, I think they've now got time on their hands to find the right manager. Tab Ramos, the U-20 manager, he's going to come in as interim manager uh, for the time being. But I think everything needs to be looked at. Taylor Twelman had a rant after the game saying that soccer is too expensive in the U.S. right now. And that's one of the problems we have here to play organized soccer. It's thousands of dollars for families. So we're missing players but, but, potentially. But see, like this is what I don't like about that argument is that it's like that for every sport. What sport do you get hand Like if you play tennis, you need to pay – an incredible amount of money to get the best coaches court time availability hockey in this country. It's exceptionally expensive, not only for ice time, but for equipment, like what sport are there free handouts? High schools are cutting their athletic programs. So there's, there's teams that are less readily available for kids growing up. It costs money to play sports. It's a business. I don't get that side of the rent because despite all the, all the so-called limitations, look at the players that are on that U.S. men's national team. For me, the reason why they didn't qualify comes down to one thing, a head coach that was in over his head. And I, I don't know I, I why, why is Bruce Arena immune from being criticized as an individual? This is a time that tactics are everything in the game of football. You know from coaching now, Terry. You need to know your players, know how to set them up. And Bruce never had a good feel for this team, whether it was in the Gold Cup qualifying friendlies. He just didn't have a good feel for the players that he had available. For uh, me, that's the biggest reason yeah, why. I mean, looking at the lineup he put out uh, against Trinidad... I think everyone in U.S. soccer or who supports the team was happy and said, don't change a winning side. For me, you're coming into Trinidad off of an awesome result in Orlando, 4-0 win. Uh, everything went to plan. The team exerted a ton of energy. I think you needed to freshen it up. In Trinidad, it was a real heavy pitch. The back four didn't have a whole bunch of protection. It was no. really Michael Bradley. He was the only defensive player. Uh, but still, there's enough quality out on that pitch with your own personal pride and standards to get you over that line. What's difficult in football is when you go down, by the way, two absolute freak goals, the own goal from Gonzalez and the rocket from the fullback. Uh, Jones? Jovian Jones' brother was unbelievable goals. But when you start playing at 2-0 down, it, it's really difficult. And I thought the U.S. went to individual. And, and players started to do their own thing, and there was no cohesiveness. But still, I thought the players in the back of their mind, it, it took an absolute uh, everything to go against them in, in the opposite games with the results. And all of a sudden, now they're on the outside looking in. And it was... It is a missed opportunity, but I think you can look at the flip side that they've now got time to really relook every, everything. And, and, and you, during different phases and generations, you can't keep with what's been working. You need to keep being innovative. And, and I thought, totally I thought the you. U.S. rested on the laurels a little bit. And going back to my point of them saying you can't pay for soccer and that's the problem – I, I don't think it is because you need organized soccer. You need to pay for coaches. You need to pay for good fields. And I think if you can afford that, eventually, with all these MLS academies, USL academies, if you are good enough, you will be found and get into a program that doesn't cost there money. There are good young players coming through the North American system. 
in this country, in the U.S., like never before, Terry, there's more opportunity to play in academy setups. Like, th- that's why, look, I, I love Taylor Twelman's passion. I just thought that his rant didn't have much substance. It was just like throwing out absolute cliches. And that's not good enough. You want to provide answers, provide actual answers. That's why it wasn't the time and the place. For me, I just... One other thing about that night... Panama goes through on a phantom goal, yeah. a goal that never should have scored. Blas Perez, like that ball didn't cross the line. And you could talk about how the U.S. didn't qualify and what they didn't do. It still would have been good enough for them to make it to the World Cup or at least a playoff if a phantom goal wasn't given. The fact that goal line technology isn't universal, that is a massive problem. They're trying to bring in VAR and they want VAR for the World Cup, but it's not instituted in qualifying? Like, what's up with that? Yeah, no, There's there inadequacies has, there, there has to and be, that is completely unfair uh, for the U.S. I, I men's agree. national there team. There has to be goal line technology, especially with so much at stake. Uh, and, and Honduras... Once they get a little bit of momentum, I've been down there. They're tough to stop with their fans. And I, I think uh, it's just, you know who I'm absolutely gutted for is Michael Bradley. Because he's, he's put everything in to play for his country. And he's come back when he was in Europe in difficult times. He's got a ton of caps. This World Cup would have been his peak. He'd be 30, 31 going into this. Now all of a sudden, look, he could play in the next two World Cups. He's got a big decision to make, and, and I'm absolutely gutted for but him. But you said it. He wasn't put in a proper context to, to succeed, really put his foot on that game because it was Michael Bradley and no one else in the midfield. And, and I, I mean, think, what else was it? Like, I, I just, I, it was a shocking setup, and more so than the players that the, the manager named Terry, you know what modern day football is all about. You want your team to have an identity. So you don't have to immediately turn to plan C or plan D. How does your team play? How does that American team play? Like what I like about what Octavio Zambrano has been doing with this Canadian team is no matter what players he's plugging in, they're playing a similar way. This U.S. men's national team, they change with the breeze. They, there was no defined way of playing, and that for me is a big problem. And I think at this stage of qualifying, when Bruce Arena comes in, and, and this is why I described it as a Band-Aid appointment, he was kind of, whatever it takes, get us to the World Cup, and we'll go from there, and we'll find an identity. It, it was complete patchwork stuff, and, and they looked at they, it was difficult for him to really periodize, set out a philosophy. It was kind of, well, take it game by game, which, is, which isn't which is a great way to go. It's the opposite of what Greg Vanny does here at TFC. Everything's planned out. And uh, I, I think the team just thought they'd go and cruise and steamroll Trinidad. All of a sudden, you're up against it. And, and they had a mountain to climb it 2-0 down. And I thought Darlington Nagby was a poor decision playing him on a what you 100%. knew. 100%. A heavy really horrible pitch for to suit him yeah i'm with you it's the same problem that beesler gonzalez were exposed all game it's the same problem that england's had it like i really don't think it's the quality of player it's how to get the best of that player in the system and then what happens is you you blame the premier league because young english players aren't getting enough exposure you can blame mls because some players are forced to go off and play in europe like there's always a scapegoat always an excuse but when it comes down to it it's about execution execution of a game plan and the game plan wasn't there for the u.s men's national team i'm sorry i didn't see it you know what i had a feel too of me was was there enough hungriness was there enough players out there that really really wanted it if you look at the hondurans that panamanian team now costa rica that they they not only have a philosophy for example costa rica they play real sexy stuff at home away from home they play with just uh the boy from san jose up top urena and and they're very compact you know how they're going to play there's a passion i get it and these players are really playing for their future because if they play well for their national team they're going to get big moves uh within their clubs and and was the u.s team with players battling and fighting uh, to drag their team over the line into qualification. Did they have that? Well, I don't sometimes think so. there's a complacency in, in CONCACAF, and maybe it was a little bit of that, but you, you bring up that passion. The Panamanian ball boy smoking the ball out of play, like during qualifying, <laughs> and, and being applauded for it. Just like these are the sorts of tactics you need to deal with. Colombia, I, I know it didn't work. In the ears of the Peru players, listen, let's just play for Falcao. a draw. Falcao, let's just play for a draw. I know. In the end, it doesn't work, but. 
Um, you I see, don't know you if there was that urgency tactics. from the U.S. And when that urgency came, it was too little too late. Well, I thought Dempsey came on and did well. I'll, I'll, it's just Bruce Arena didn't know how the team was going to play. They were bailed out in the Gold Cup with Bradley and Altador and the likes of them coming back into the team. Justin Morrow's had an incredible year. All of a sudden, he doesn't get a shot. It just depends about how he wanted to play. And Bruce Arena simply... I don't think he's a coach over the over his entire career. That's a guy that's going to be a tactical mastermind. He's a motivator. And when he can't motivate that team, that, that was a little puzzling to me. Yeah, and I think that motivation has to come within. But, but it, it was just once that 2-0, that adversity, it's tough to just turn it on. It's, right. it's tough to go, okay, now we're going to play. I'm just not buying that this is a crisis for Canadian or American. Like, come on. Like all these platitudes, people, everyone wants to hit the panic button. You have Joe Schmo, who's on the outside, that turns into a tunes into a football match, you know, once a year now, weighing in the problems of the system. You're in the system, Terry. You've been in the system. I think that you have a better understanding of where things are moving and how they are moving. Is it picture perfect? No. Is it getting a whole lot better? Absolutely. Your comment on that? Very much so. And, and, and I don't think it's – we've got to rip everything apart. But no. what, what we do – what the U.S. do need is a, is a vision and a long-term plan and, and, a, and a philosophy that what, if a player does get injured and someone else comes in, they know exactly what their role is. And at the moment, especially since Bruce Arena's taken over, it looked a little bit too much off the cuff. Right. Um, I'm excited about the, the future, and I think that this will sharpen things up with the U.S. men's national team. They're, they're under 17 teams coming through. Uh, you see young players that are thriving. And we saw Tyler Adams, a New York Red Bulls player, very good young American player. Uh, we've got a boy here, Io Akinola. He's away with the U.S. men's under 17 team. Right. Starts every week, doing really well, exceptionally well uh, in the U.S. men's national in India. And to be excited in this country as well with the young Canadian players coming through. So... Let's not all collectively hit the panic button. Let's collect, you know, take a deep breath and realize, you know what? Sometimes some really good nations don't make the World Cup. Italy's going to be fighting tooth and nail. Their form's been really poor. I want to bring up the fact that maybe Sebastian Javinko deserves a call up into a team where they can't score. All that coming up as we continue to roll on right here on Come On You Reds. Welcome back to Come On You Reds. Wheeler and Dunfield with you. Are we done ranting? Do you feel a good another good rant coming up? No, I'm done. I, and we were just speaking off air in between segments and, and this kind of feel like you have to say something with no substance. It's not helping anybody right now. And, and I really think the U.S. should take their time now and, and just kind of regroup. And it's so important that they get the right man at the helm. Right. Just with the overall quality, and, and obviously people turn the light on to MLS and the domestic league. Look, this no, I want league, to go back. Actually, this... you know what? For the U.S. players, <laughs> you're like the energizer bunny. As tough as it is right now, the toughest thing is going to be watching next summer. 2018 and not being part of it because it really was a missed opportunity. I was at a pub in Greenwich Village watching my beloved Welsh team, Welsh side, fail against Ireland. And people will be like, well, Wales were a fluke. Well, you were playing without Gareth Bale. You lost Joe Allen. Like some of these countries just simply don't have the bodies to replace other top players. Like Like, the U.S. are deep enough. If you look at their bench and quality to get through. And and the Central American teams, by the way... They're rather than trying to be something they're not. They each have their own distinct style, and, and they and they try to get it as good as they can. Whereas the U.S., they never really. What was their DNA? What was the philosophy? My they entire, never really. My found entire it. point is that it sucks when you're a fan of one country of their football and they're not going to the World Cup. Chile. How does Chile not qualify for the World Cup after the run that they've been on winning Copa Americas? I mean, this is a nation with top players. Alexi Sanchez, Arturo Vidal. Like, are you kidding me? How is this not this team not in the World Cup? So it's going to suck if you're a U.S. men's national team supporter. We in this country, we've watched World Cup after World Cup without Canada being there since 1986. So Tell get me used about to it. it. Watching so that... Brazil 2014 when we were so close it, that that was hard it, it was a dark time as and a player how do, do you it's watch? horrible you do and, and and part of you is we should be there we should be out there playing and uh, especially when 
you know, we didn't beat Honduras at home. We win that game. I think we're going to to Brazil. And and it wasn't the eight one that killed me. It was a game before that when we drew nil nil. Do you know? Like I would rather have these feelings of angst, wishing my team was there, rather than where the World Cup's going. Now that they're expanding their format, now it's going to take out the importance of qualifying. I love World Cup qualifying for that reason, that there's Cinderella stories, there's big countries that are left on the outside looking in. Now everyone gets a ticket to the dance. Hey, come into the ball, Cinderella. Like, I, I, I just, I, I prefer World Cup qualifying, leaving some, some teams feel feeling hard done by rather than the direction is going and and when you battle it's so hard to get that did you see the the panamanian uh center half that scored the goal uh, uh roman torres, roman once, torres. He, once he scored he, he's still celebrating now i think i know and how much it means to him in the country that jerk that mls cup final and then gets to experience that <laughs> congratulations by the way to armando cooper his world cup dreams you know it's coming alive so great for Armando. So congratulations. I wonder if the door is completely being closed on Sebastian Jovinko and the Italian national team. They're going to be fighting tooth, or tooth and nail in the playoffs to even qualify. Ventura, their managers under all kinds of pressure. I don't know if you watch much of this Italian national team, whether it's the 4-2-4 that they played against Spain and got run off the field. They draw Macedonia. They, they have go to away. go back to a back three. A 1-0 against Albania. I'm not sure if the managers got it right. And with Balotti injured, they don't have much up front. Adur's not playing for Inter. I, I'm not a Gabby Adini's not getting a game every week with Southampton. Why not Sebastian Javinko? I'll tell you why. Why he's not going right now. One, at this stage, the coach doesn't want to roll the dice. And then all of a sudden, he leaves himself open, bringing in a player from MLS. And two, Sebastian Javinko's got a similar player he's competing with in Insigne. And I think they're picking Insigne over him. But okay, but if Insigne is not and working in the national with, team, and the other thing I'd say too, I think Juvinko needs to play in a front two, and I think playing in a front three doesn't really suit him. I think you'd see him playing out wide. Why not play? Why aren't the you say go go to a go back to a back three? Yeah, and that's what Italy was at their best. Two fullbacks or two wingbacks in that system, three midfielders, two up top. That's exactly That's how they the play. system where Sebastian Javinko plays yeah, here for TFC. If they go back to that and they play with a three or five in midfield and two up top like they did at the last Euros, then I think, yes, Sebastian Javinko has a case. But if they Even carry he on... he wasn't part of that team. It, maybe this is just a pro-TFC red. This is a TFC podcast. We're free to do that. We see Javinko. There's... Name me better free kick takers direct on a direct direct ball set piece in world football right now. And and you know Seriously. what? And you know what? The biggest thing I think I take Javinko personally is the fact that he would come into that team absolutely motivated, yep. hungry, and ready to prove people wrong. And I think if it's just 15 minutes he steps out on that pitch, he would be absolutely electric. And name me a better player in in better form in that Italian team. Yep. His form is through the roof right now. Let's talk some Sebastian Javinko. Just chatted with the media today. He's going to be making his return, his last game, played 45 minutes back on September 9th at BMO Field against the San Jose Earthquakes. He's been out with a quad strain since, and he's about to make his return with two regular season games to go this Sunday against the Montreal Impact. Is, is that enough games in terms of regular season games, Terry, for him to pick up where he left off? I think so. I, I think he's been managed uh, through this international break. He's not missed a day of training. Uh, his workload and, and his they, they're very uh, clever. The sports science team is very good. So they'll make sure he, he, all his movements are hit. His sprints are hit. He's at his top speed. So when he goes out on that field, he's protected. There, there's nothing um, that, that's left to chance, shall I say. Here's the thing, though. You don't know until he gets back out on the field. And I think that the biggest concern for Toronto FC supporters is how Javinko will make out not only this game, not only the final game in Atlanta, but over the course of a playoff run. Like the last thing you want to see but look is the... Javinko coming off in an MLS Cup final again. It's not, right? like, it's not like last year, though. You've only got five games to get him ready for. I think for, for, if I'm Greg Vanny, he plays no more than 60 minutes. On against, Sunday. On Sunday. And then Atlanta, depending on how he feels and how well this game goes. But you got to get him going, don't you? On turf there. Again, I, I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see whether he plays. See, because this is the thing. You, you want to get him back out. He wants to play. Like, he is a guy. He even said today, 
I don't like missing any games. I want to play every game if I'm able to. But I just wonder how much man management will be needed between now and the end of the season for a player that you do not want to replicate what happened in the MLS Cup final last year. You I, don't. I, I, but at the same time, this Eastern Conference, the playoff picture set, there's some pretty good teams in there. This isn't going to be a cakewalk to the MLS Cup final. No chance. And... and um... I, I think his partnership with, with Josie Altador or Toe St. Rick, who's ever he's up top with, that's important as well. And, and, and how I think TFC play completely different with Javinko in the team as well. So that's important. Is he the most critical, the most important player to team success? I think so. I, I, think, I think you've got a backbone to the team that, that, that defensively are very solid when they're back in their medium block. They've got an ability to press high, which he's part of, but he's an with him and Vasquez, you've got two absolute game changers. And when when the when the margins are very small in playoffs, having a game changer like him is is who can completely rip open a team. That's going to be the thing I'm watching the most this Sunday, 5 p.m. Montreal Impact final regular season game at BMO Field is how Javinko looks. I think he can ease a lot of worries if he comes out on flames on Sunday. Seriously, that's the that that's if we're if we're looking at the biggest questions for Toronto FC between now and the end of the year, it's gonna be, yeah, sure, can Haglin Sheru step in and play some minutes coming back from their long term injuries. There's some other questions in and around the team, but none of them are bigger than Sebastian Javinko and his fitness. I agree. Uh, Josie Altador missed training on Friday. Is dealing with a little bit of an illness. Kept, was kept away from the Kia training ground at practice. Uh, the good news is that the game's on Sunday, not on Saturday, so it gives him a little bit more time to recover. Yeah, he, he's played a lot of minutes too, and heavy minutes. His load uh, away with the U.S. Men's, men's national team was was massive, so him staying away, just getting an extra day of recovery as well, not only for the illness but for his body. I think that's important. Uh, he's got a day's training on Saturday. Um, hopefully he'll be ready to go. Yeah, um, penned a letter to U.S. Men's national team supporters. Um I thought him and Michael Bradley being very upfront about it all. You've been there before. You've suffered disappointment with the national team. When you go back to your club team, can you just leave it behind you? Or does it take a while? Is that, I think it's is that nice. Memory still I, I think it's nice. I think getting out on the training pitch is what you want to do. And, and, and that's the only way that you can kind of move on from it. And the changes scenery will be huge. Uh, both players are, are so pivotal to, to what TFC do, uh, and, and Michael Bradley and Josie Elter both know that. They've been flown back on chartered planes to get back here to get as much time to recover as possible. Uh, so, so I think the change of scenery will be good for them. Getting back out on that training pitch will be huge, and once you've sort of... People put your arm around them. I saw Michael Bradley in the canteen yesterday, said, sorry, man, I know what you're feeling. And once that's kind of... That's done, and now your focus is on winning a, a championship. Yeah, these guys have big goals that they still need to and want to accomplish at this club. MLS Cup Final, winning the MLS Cup, uh, CONCACAF Champions League, plenty of big games ahead for both Bradley and Altador wearing red. We'll get into this weekend's game against the Montreal Impact next, right here on Come On You Reds. Wheeler and Dunfield with you. This is Come On You Reds at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. Uh, a quick mention before we get into the final regular season game of the season this Sunday at BMO Field. Canada lost to El Salvador in an international friendly down in Houston. one nothing. Terry, I didn't have the benefit of seeing the game. Did, did you see any of it? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I was vacation wheeler, obviously. <laughs> we, we struggled to create chances for the first time under Octavio Zambrano. Uh, Kyle Laren was up top on his own to start. Jackson Hamel came in in the second half. Uh, they were on an island a little bit, and uh, it made me think. You know what? Do we, I, I know Octavio's got a, a plan, and and it's to play with real dynamic fullbacks that love to get forward, real attacking wide players. But what was evident to me is without Junior Hoylet creating overloads, going past a player. Uh, Canada struggled to create chances. And, and I think without him, maybe he needs to look at going with two up top. Interesting. We'll see what subtle changes. There's time. That's the good news. 
But the team overall, the way that they're playing, it's trending in the right direction. Like I said, didn't see that game. Toss and Ricketts came back a little early as well, Terry. Yeah, he picked up a hip uh, in training. Uh, It's been MRI. He's fine. He trained today, so it'd be good to go against Montreal. Looked good out there today, too. Yeah, looked sharp. What a pass. I saw Victor Vasquez give the whole back four of the defending team in an 11 v. 11. The eyes slipped to St. Ricketts through one-on-one uh, with Clint Irwin, uh, slotted it. So he looked good, looked very pacey. Jonathan Azorio for Canada again carried his form on. I thought he was excellent in the middle of the park. He's been really good. That's another one of the questions for Greg Vanny, whether Oso can find his way into that starting 11. Him and Delgado have been both outstanding. We'll address some of the most improved Toronto FC players on the season in a few moments' time. But let's preview this match against the Montreal Impact because it's crazy. Toronto FC's lone loss to, Montre- to at home this season came to the Impact just a couple weeks back. It was a 5-3 wild Wednesday night at BMO Field. Terry, that's those are the only points that Montreal's picked up in their last eight games. They've lost seven of their last eight. Their coaching staff, Mauro Biello and company, they're not returning to the team. I guess the only good news is Ignacio Piatti signed a new contract, but they're a team that's gone completely in the wrong direction. But the one scalp that they do have is of Toronto FCs, and that's really the only blemish that TFC's had. And, and TFC gifted it to them. They made way too many mistakes. A little bit like my academy team this weekend. <laughs> if you give a team a head start and you give galvanize them... Um, you know what, all of a sudden their tails are up and, and they're playing some good stuff. I thought Montreal Impact, once Piet, Sammy Piet came in, the Canadian International, uh, huffed and puffed, picked up their form a little bit. Uh, but I think that they need a bit of an overhaul with their squad. Biello's been told he's going to be move on from manager next season. He's going to be moved in to a different role. So I, I like the loyalty that the Montreal Impact are going to keep him within the club. He's been there over 20 years uh, as player and coach. So it's great to see he'll still be part of the franchise. Uh, yeah, for, for me, that game was a one-off. And, and that's a good example. Greg Vanney said, I think yesterday or today in the media, that come the playoffs, you can't make mistakes. Everything has to be spot on. Because if you give yourself too much to do, it can be difficult. In the league, you can get away with a couple of mistakes like that game. But I think in these next two games, uh, Greg will be looking for the team both defensively and moving forward in possession to be immaculate. Montreal needs a refresh. I think that you said it best right there. I think it was well put. They're old. They're relatively predictable. They're going to sit back, be bullish defensively, try to hit you on the counter. And this is the thing. When teams come into BMO Field, and this might be good practice, good simulation for the playoffs for TFC, because whether it's in the second round of the playoffs or the Eastern Conference Final, those home and away matches, you start away and you come back home. If some of these teams, for whatever reason, uh, come back to Toronto holding on to a one-goal advantage, they're going to sit back. They might park the bus a little bit, play on the counter. That's why this will be good simulation for perhaps something that may be had for this team. You stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. If you look at Atlanta and Columbus, those are two teams that scream out to me that play that way. So, yeah, that'll be uh, awesome practice. Just going back to the Piatti one, I'm glad they signed him on. I thought they had to do something uh, to appease the fans. Patrice Bernier, he's hanging his boots up at the end of this season. So they, the, the team needs that franchise player. And, and I think in Piatti, they have that. It'd be interesting to see what number he's on right now. Sabuto came out and said he's a top five player in the league. And that will be reflected by his contract. Just doing a bit of research, the top fifth pay, paid player in the league is David Villa at $5.6 million. Are Montreal paying him that kind of coin? No chance. I don't know. No chance. Anyways, we'll, we'll leave Montreal alone for now we won't pick on them well let's pick on them a little bit more they're gonna have to be in attendance as toronto fc presented with the supporter shield the club we're asking you to get in your seats be in the stadium at 4 30 p.m eastern time on sunday get in there early be there for the presentation it's a big deal because the supporters are very much front and center in this as well very much it's a massive deal i think winning the league just coming and having played a lot in europe should have more weight than what it does. And it's going to be cool how it happens. The Dallas supporters are coming up with the supporters' shield before the game. They're going to pass it to the TFC supporters. So the TFC supporters, they're going to have the shield for 90 minutes. And then the TFC supporters, they're going to give it to the players after the game. Very cool. It, it, you're going to want to be there 
be there nice and early, please, and thank you. As far as the team selection goes, is it straightforward now, Terry? Like, I, I guess people are waiting to see who Greg Vanny is going to play wide right. Is it going to be Hasler? Is it going to be Betasher? I think that, that, quite frankly, it's Hasler's position right now to lose. And in the midfield, I guess it's Delgado or Osorio. And if Altidore is good to go, he'll start up front. If not, it's Ricketts. I don't think there's many surprises coming with this team. No, I, I, I think, yeah, you, you just said it. I think Hassler and Betashore will split the games. I think Betashore will play in, in Atlanta, Atlanta or he'll play against Montreal. And depending on who uh, TFC do play in that first playoff game, we'll have some weight on it. But I think whoever does better over these two games uh, carry on. But having said that, if Hassler does really well, it's his shirt to lose if he starts. I think up top, uh, it'll be interesting. If, if Josie Altidore's carrying anything, maybe go with Toe St. Ricketts and protect him. Uh, but the midfield right now picks itself. Jonathan Azorio's a little bit unlucky. I think his form's been excellent. I think he's Greg Vanning's first sub right now. But the midfield blend of Delgado, Bradley, and Vasquez is just so good. And they really complement each other. A couple other mentionables. Uh, Victor Vasquez, second in MLS assists with 16. One behind Sasha Kleschen. We'll be waiting to see if he can pick up on that. I want to see if Sebastian Javinko can reach the 20-goal plateau. He's on 16 right now despite only playing 23 games. <laughs> if he was fit, if he was playing a full he schedule. He loves playing Montreal as well. No kidding. Uh, TFC have scored at least three goals in their last six home games. <laughs> that, get that's to, a ridiculous get, get number. Get to BMO, you're going to be entertained. And, and there's been other opportunities. Some, some of the football and the ball movement across the pitch has been so good at home. Yeah, and the team has won 12 of their last 14 games at home. <laughs> Struggling. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, I know the boys are ready to go. It's been a long two weeks waiting to get back out there, and it's extended by a day. It's a little bit more tricky because it messes with your routine playing Saturdays to playing Sundays. It gives, for me, the international boys just an extra day to get back yep. and get integrated. Anything else to do with the team? No? Not really? TFC 2, they play on Saturday. We'll uh, have the call. Final match will. of the season against FC Cincinnati. Andrew Wiedemann's going to be in town. He's not been playing as much lately, but yeah, he's uh plays up front with Cincinnati. Ex-MLSer Austin Berry. He plays at the back for them. Justin uh, Hoyt, Justin former Hoyt, Arsenal player. What happened? Yeah. yeah, he's playing in the USL for uh, FC Cincinnati. So it should be a good game. But they game. have a great fan support. Like, they are a USL team on steroids. They really for are. For the lack of a better term. They've got, on paper, a very good team. They, they just clinched their playoff place last night, having not played. Uh, Tampa beating Orlando means they're in. Uh, but I think for TFC, too, you'll see a couple academy players play. Tomorrow, so uh, some good opportunities Shout for young players. Shout out to Sean players. Hundle. He's had a really good season up top. Yeah, especially he's finished strong. He's been scoring goals lately. I think he's a real confidence player in front of goal. He, he's had a little bit of composure at late, scored four goals in, in recent games. So uh, I, I wouldn't I would not back him to score. What time's that game tomorrow? I know you and I are calling. We're calling back-to-back -back games this weekend. We're on it. we got a post and pregame show as well. Yeah, TSN uh, Radio. Let's TSN start off with, okay, so USLsoccer.com, torontofc2.ca. You can stream it online or go up to the soccer center, Ontario Soccer Center, Saturday evening. Is it 7 p.m. or 7.30? 7.30, I want to say. I'm in my calendar. It's just, it's... We'll double check it now. Okay. Also, Renata, if you can check that for me. Also we... going on, on around the club, which is pretty cool, it's open tryout weekend. Whoa. Does that mean that I can live out my dream retrying out for Toronto FC? Is that what that means? Happy Gilmore style. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to let it. I think you need to change sports for any age group. When's that happening? Is that happening Friday? That's so happening tonight. We've got six age groups in here. Hundreds of kids. A wonderful event. Uh, kids will play each age group for an hour and a half. All the academy uh, staff will be watching. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. This is my first open trial event, uh, and and we've. Plucked one or two. Mobile Bully came out of this, so you never cool. know. Very good. So that's going on. And then Toronto FC, Montreal Impact, the television side on TSM will have it. Terry and I will have pre-match and post-match phone-in for you, 4.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on Sunday on TSN 1050. We'll take you through all the way to 8.30. But, by the way, or 8, 8 p.m., sorry, on Sunday night. 
Uh, it is a 7.30 p.m. kickoff at the Ontario Soccer Centre, Toronto FC2 and FC Cincinnati. And Terry and I will have that call. Going to be hanging out with you a lot this weekend. I love is that, that a good thing? I've missed you when you are in New York. Thank you. Uh, we'll spin you around the Eastern Conference MLS playoff picture. And we'll do this week's high five. <laughs> That's coming up next here on Come On You Reds. This is the final segment of Come On You Reds. Wheeler and Dunfield with you at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. It's time for this week's high five. Oh, so it's our, bad. It's our top five of the week. Ravi thinks we should rename it Fiverr. Are you okay with that? Reminds me of the UK. It's a fiver. fiver. A f- it's a fiver, mate. Yeah, right. Let so, me a fiver, mate. It's a working title. We're up That's for some suggestions. Um, Terry Dunfield this week, part of our high five, is going to give away a signed Toronto FC ball. You name the five players or staff members you want it signed by. Terry will get it done. He'll get that ball to you. And this week, we need you to participate along with our high five. Name your top five improved Toronto FC players this season. From game one to game, what are we at? 31, your top five players or improved players for Toronto FC this season. Terry will choose based upon, maybe you'll bring up a name that he didn't think of. He'll just choose the list that he likes the most. You're cool with that? Yeah, I love that. Play God here. Tweet it in. We'll have a look over it. And the best five, in my opinion, will win a signed ball. And you can pick anybody at the Kia training ground to sign the ball. You could have Bill Brilliant. Manning. You could have Gareth Wheeler, Big Cheese, Renata, whoever you want. Right. Maybe Tavinko. Just right. want to throw him out there. Sir, yeah, maybe Michael Bradley. Just <laughs> leave that up to you. Uh, so looking forward to this. The top five uh, most improved players this season. I'm going to start Josie Altidore. He, he has found consistency over the course of this year in his play, where in recent weeks, he has virtually been unplayable. Like, he's already at a high standard, but I think he's improved even that much more into the most difficult striker to to mark, to manage, to keep at bay in MLS right now. Josie Altidore, despite how good he already was, Terry, makes my list at number five. I can see it. I think he's already to call him most improved. He's the best number nine in the league. He stayed fit. I, I think he stayed fit this year. He's added consistency, which you've already mentioned. I think he's more economical with his running. Yep. He's playing closer to goal. He, he's not dropping as deep to link up play. Uh, so I can see that. And, and he's a real focal point for TFC's high press when they do engage it. Yep. Yeah, I think he's done all the little things right. B- believe it, I think he's improved. And I think a, he's a, lot, of, for him too, a, lot, a lot of credit's got to go to the medic, medical staff behind the scene. Look, Josie Altidore has to train different to a Sebastian Javinko or a Marky Delgado. Right. And I think they found the best training regime for him to optimize his performances come Saturday. Who's that, Who do you have at number five? Raheem the Dream Edwards. Okay, explain. Okay. I have a comment on that. If it was the biggest improvement from last season to this season, I could make the argument that he could be number one on that list. But the way that Raheem started the year in Vancouver, I thought he already hit a high watermark. He was great. I think his game has developed that much more. He hasn't been getting that many looks. But yeah, he has consistently improved over the course of the year. But I think he started off really well. Okay, do you want to take over? Or? No, no, that no, was, no. So I'll tell I was you waiting why for you to explain. <laughs> so I'll tell you why. I thought he came in, he had a really difficult preseason. Uh, he had to wait for an opportunity. But whenever he's had an opportunity, I think he's really come out and taken it. I think when he came onto the scene, he was a real attacking threat. But defensively, just a little bit of a liability. You weren't too sure what you were going to get from him. He's come in. And when he's as a young player, you don't get a ton of chances. So when you do get that chance, you have to take it. I thought he took it. I thought his game's developed as the season's gone on. We've seen versatility. He's played on the left. He's played on the right. I think defensively now he knows when to sit back in a lower block rather than just being 100 miles an hour and just pressing at all times, the ball coming to him, and just playing off the cuff. Now I think he really understands mm-hmm. the system really well. And and I think he's going to be a key player come the MLS I'm, playoff I'm stretch. With you. I'm with you. I have no argument. By the way, I love that. He plays down the left. He <laughs> plays down the right. That oh, boy, Ronaldo. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> at number four, Alex Bono. At the start of the season, we weren't even sure whether if he was going to be the number one. Uh, he's earned that spot ahead of Clint Irwin. No disrespect to Clint. I think he's been great. The best goalkeeping tandem in MLS. 
And I just look at Alex, just the growth of the player, the comfort, the shot-stopping ability. He's put it all together. Now he is a number one in this league. At the start of the season, you were wondering if it was his time. Now there's no question it's his time. He set a club record for clean sheets in a year. Yes, it's a team stat, but Alex has played a big role in that. And that stat wasn't too hard to hit in previous years. Oh, look at you bashing Alex. By the way, I've got him at number three, so I'll I'll talk about him now. I, I think he's now rightfully the number one. For such a young keeper, he, he oozes calmness. His distribution has gotten much better. He's a real presence uh, in behind the back three. What I love about him when he plays is just his starting point. He's extremely positive coming for crosses, coming in and sweeping in behind uh, the back three. And, and I think that's the new breed of goalkeeper. So he's my, at number three. He's my number three. Who do you have at number four? At number four, I got Jonathan Azorio. Okay. I, thought, I have him at three. So, okay, we just flip-flop that. There we go. So I think he came in uh, thinking he was rightfully going to start and play every every game on the back of a very good season last year. He's had to be patient. Marky Delgado's come in and his form's been excellent. And he's, and he's added... Uh, a different dynamic to a midfield with Victor Vasquez coming in. Jonathan Azorio and Victor Vasquez are of a similar mold. I think, uh, though Jonathan Azorio likes the ball at his feet. So I think Delgado speeding up the play in midfield is why he's playing right now. But I think Jonathan Azorio, he's tactically developed this season. Uh, once he's got over the hump and disappointment of being left out, I, I, I think he hasn't felt sorry for himself. And whenever he has had chances, I think he's come on and he's really lifted the team in under difficult circumstances at times. He's hit his stride. He's hit incredible form. That's why he's at number three based on where he is now. Uh, I, I think he's developing into more of a, even more of a complete midfielder. Defensively, attacking-wise, I think his intelligence on the ball, his touch has always been there, but he's refined other areas where, whether it's for this club or the national team, he's really put himself back in the conversation. So, What's the biggest thing he's refined for you? Me? I, I think it's just understanding time and space. I think you, you've always understood that he was always slick on the ball, but understanding the game, what's happening around him a little bit more, which is something that's a little bit more abstract to speak to, but... I just think that his overall approach to 90 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever that is, the football he's playing, he just looks to be a much more complete player. For me, I think he's added execution and a final product to his game this year. I just want to, I I would like to see him become more of a regular goal scorer. I just don't know if he has that in in the locker. But maybe he's not that attacking midfield player. Maybe he's more of a box to box guy. And that's what I think. I think that he showed the versatility to play either way. Um, at number two, J-Mo, Justin Morrow. Oh, they got the same. Same one? That's yep. fine. I mean, what he has done from a goal-scoring perspective from left back, it's incredible. Eight goals on the year. From a defender, hat-trick in his life. Like, he played great last year, but now he's come to understand that position, that outside left role for Toronto FC that much more. Where he logs an incredible distance in the amount of running that he does every game. And there's no better player to fill that role, that position in this league. And I think that it takes time to become an expert at this very difficult position in this formation. And he's done it with ease. And I think he's improved that much more as the season's gone on. And his running, you talk about, it's powerful running. It's dynamic running. And you add eight goals from, from a left wing back slot, it's an incredible season. He's, he's athletic. Uh, I love him. I think he should have been away with the U.S. men's national Me team. He, he's got a nice uh, manner about him that he doesn't let it get to his head. He comes into work every day and just wants to get better. And I think he uh, and the systems complement each other perfectly. Uh, at number one, let's say the name together because I guarantee we got the same guy. Can in a three, two, one, Chris Mavinga. Wheeler. <laughs> you I was already to start my with. game. <laughs> Mavinga, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you couldn't just play along. You had to go in there and do that. Uh, what's impressed you so much about Chris? When he first came in, I thought he had the right attributes. He had pace, uh, a left foot that TFC missed on the left side of the back three. Uh, but I wasn't sure how he was going to um, fit in. It's not easy coming in from Europe. Uh, Especially took- when you have a difficult first game. 
a hundred percent. But but I think uh, he got over that quickly. Yes, I think the coaching staff w- w- gave him time to develop. They took him out of the firing line for a little bit. But I think he's a perfect example of a player. If you put him in the right environment with the right quality around you, with a uh, with a, a real task or a job, and you, you set that task on him, he can go out and accomplish it. Shows his character. You know, frustrating start. A player who's been looking for a chance, looking for a home, has been a little bit of a nomad in the soccer world, comes here, a difficult start, but then found his groove. And the word that I use around about Chris, confidence. You see it. He came in being kind of the shy guy, looking to find his way. Now he is so comfortable in his skin here at this club and on the field. Like He knows that if he makes a mistake, he can make up for it like that. Like He's absolutely flying right now. One of the best, if not the best, defender in MLS. Full credit to the player's mentality and the team for believing in him as well. It's all come together. Wheels, he he knows exactly what his role is. He's a player that's so, so important that if he wins that ball, just give it to Michael Bradley. Just give it out wide to Justin Morrow. He's got that one now, that pass in between the lines. I think he's developed that over the season into a Victor Vasquez. But I I think his pace on the back line is something TFC missed last season, and and that is so, so crucial. And I think come the playoffs, playing against the Columbus, playing against an Atlanta, we touched on it earlier in the podcast he's going to be so important dealing with pace up top yeah i uh, can't wait to see what he brings come playoff time now we just need a goal also credit you know what i i think justin morrow and all the plaudits he gets a big part of him being able to get forward get into the box as he knows he has an athletic defender and chris mavinga behind him who can handle two-on-ones against him that was this week's high five decent list uh, after the regular season, we're going to give our top five players on the year. So still plenty more to come as the season rolls Remember, on. send in your top five so we can give out that ball and who you would like it signed by. Right. At Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter, at Gareth Wheeler. Uh, we got to go, but the Supporter Shield presentation, be in your seats at BMO Field, 4.30 p.m. on Sunday. The first 10,000 people in the stadium get a two courtesy of Kia Canada. Danny Dicchio, Dero signing autographs on the walkway from the TTC to the stadium as well. Uh, and Danny Dicchio is also throw a seat cushion in the truck of a Kia for a chance to win playoff tickets draw. Like you can it. take your picture with Dio, D-Row with the Voyager's Cup as well. Smart all for courtesy the of team. our friends. Were you at that uh, game Kia with Canada. all the cushions? I was. I was in the crowd what that day. What was that day. like? That was the day, two days before I was starting cancer treatment, actually. And it was an incredible day. Yeah. I, I'll always rem- remember that. So, And uh, the cushions started flying. I was hoping that more hats went on the field for Justin Morrow when he scored the hat trick to uh... kind of replicate that night. You know what I mean? Should I throw those sonnet bucket hats on the field? <laughs> so, uh, good stuff this week, buddy. Awesome. We'll be back on air all weekend long. TFC 2 Saturday night. And then TFC Montreal Impact Sunday, 4.30 p.m. Pre-match on TSN. I've missed it. It's great we're back at it, isn't it? Let's, this international break is done. And this podcast is done as well. This has been Come On You Reds.